Hey there, and welcome to The Post, a Redemption Church podcast. I'm your host for today, J.P. Gaylord. All right, we've got a great show for you today. We'll be touching on a pastoral church plant uh, fantasy draft, and then we'll be talking about theology made practical. And our topic for today, don't go to sleep, is sanctification. We're joined by, today by some familiar faces. Danny Turner. What's up, Redemption? Charles Kirby. Hey, everyone. And Josh Tovey. Hi. I love how you put that really awkward pause in every single time before you say something. Almost like you thought, oh, I should have thought of something funny to say. What should I say? Nothing's coming. Hello. I'll just say hi. Uh, Josh, we've been getting all kinds of really great feedback about your comments on the ice cream episode. Uh, some people have really appreciated your wisdom. Can we call it biblical wisdom? Absolutely. What is it? Double chocolate almond? Double chocolate almond, and except some of our staff didn't agree. So last week we had to solve that problem too. Yes. Uh, that problem has been <laughs> rectified. That staff member is no longer with us. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. We wouldn't joke about that. Um, all right. Well, do you guys want to just dive right into to our church plant fantasy Let's draft. Let's go. I'm excited All right. about this. So there are two rules. You, uh, basically, uh, you have three positions you need to draft for. It works like any, any fantasy draft. If you've played fantasy football or fantasy baseball, uh, you have positions that you need to fill, and uh, each person takes a turn choosing someone. So uh, based on the people who are in front of me right now, we're going to go Danny, Charles, Josh, and then in reverse order, Josh, Charles, Danny. Now, the three positions you have to fill. <laughs> is that, that's accurate, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I was just confused as to why we're going back if he's doing all three. No, he's not doing all three. Oh, we're he's just doing one at a time. Yeah. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. That way, back, Danny yeah. doesn't get to pick all the greatest pastors. Oh, we can't choose the same people. No, you cannot choose this the same rude. people. Okay, yeah. go ahead. This go is ahead. how fantasy sports works. <laughs> no, so, I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. So that's how the draft is going to go. The three positions you have are you have a lead pastor, you have a worship pastor, and you have what we're going to call a utility player or X factor. Yeah. Uh, so... Those are the three positions. You can fill them in any order you want, uh, but you do need to choose someone for each of those positions. Two rules, guys. Only two rules that cannot be violated. One is you can't choose anybody currently or previously employed by Redemption Church. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Um, what other options could there be? <laughs> so terrible. Seriously. Uh, and the second, uh, the second rule is that you have to choose people who are still currently living. So, Jeez. I know. Oh, so goodness. restrictive. Wow. With that in mind, should we put Danny on the clock? Am I going lead pastor right now? You can do lead pastor, worship pastor, oh, or wow. your yeah, utility player. Oh, good call, good call. Dang. Yep. Okay, I on. actually might change mine because I feel like you guys aren't going to pick my lead guy. Um, and I think I know who your lead guy is going to be. You think so? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought about it and I feel, I'll just go for it just to get it out of the way. Um, I thought about it. If you know me, it's a no brainer. Uh, I'd go lead guy, pull him off, actually off of the bench. He's not a lead guy anymore as of like a year ago. But my man, JMC, John Mark Homer. That's who you're going to pick. That's my, that's my lead guy. I knew okay. it. I love him. What's he's, he doing now? He's, uh, he's just chilling. Okay. Doing like I'll a... Yeah, no, really though, he's doing like a nonprofit yep. to like 
Uh, I knew who that you were going to pick. Church plants. I you could have asked me who am I thinking. Yeah. I would have told you. <laughs> For those of you who may not That's be familiar guy. with John Mark Comer, Danny, would you... He's, what, what? he's the millennials pastor. He's the millennial pastor. Yeah, <laughs> dude. He he loves Sabbath and he never works. And uh, he, <laughs> lives in in, he lives said. in Portland. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm he's just kidding. A, he's a great guy. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you he, great author, written yeah, tons of great books. Totally great. Yeah, ruthless elimination of hurry. If you've not read that, just like game changer. Um, yeah, his his work speaks for itself. So if you've not heard him, I definitely recommend. Like, all right, yeah. Listen to him, read him, because he's awesome. awesome. So, yeah. All right, John Mark Homer is now <laughs> off the board. Charles, sorry guys, uh, I'm gonna go with worship court. pastor. Yeah, um, this is hard because I kind of want to do a traditional and then also a contemporary. So I'll give you a caveat. I'm going to choose two. Uh, one, the traditional is going to be Steve Green. Oh, may all who f- come behind us find us faithful. Amen. A mighty fortress is our <laughs> come God. On, he's so <laughs> gifted. And then uh, the contemporary one would be uh, Kanye West is going to be my <laughs> other one. <laughs> no. Dude, come on. You know, I will just throw this out there. Charles, Boom. Charles wow. has technically not violated any rules. That's that is correct. So just keep it real. Where are you guys. planning this church? Certainly uh, not in Holland. Nope. <laughs> nope. A little bit of everywhere. <laughs> All right. Dang. Kanye West. So you're welcome. He got to take two guys instead of one. So you broke Dude, his two rules. First Secondly, of all, no one's choose. picking those two. You're never picking those two. <laughs> yeah. I like it, though. All right. The thing with Steve Green is you can't, he's a cappella stuff a lot, too. It's okay. So, okay. Maybe Charles is planning a Church of Christ. That's, that's exactly right. We're getting a little <laughs> weird here. This is what doesn't like look like, guys. A little weird. So <laughs> little that's weird. what we're doing. All right. All right. This is going way better than I ever imagined. So my lead guy is Matt Chandler. Yeah. He's my guy. All right. So it's probably easy to pick. That is an easy pick. I like that one. Yeah. Um, And I get a second pick. So I'm going to step out my utility player. I think I want my utility player. I'm going to go with a guy that... Could offer maybe lots of different gift sets, but also financially support our young church plan. Yeah. So Joel, Joel Olson. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh you're, you're taking him out of a teaching role. <laughs> taking him out of a teaching role and putting him in the financial yeah, support, totally. write the blank check role. Because I, I think he's got oh. lots of that going on in his life. Because, you know, yeah. why not write one more book on five steps to be a better you? It, it could also Amen. be an evangelistic hire, right? That's great. <laughs> wow. Oh, that is that on. is a really interesting strategy. <laughs> I really don't like that. I just set it for, you know, yeah. the mic drop of the moment. <laughs> it's, it's okay. People it's have already kind. written the emails <laughs> and hit them. <laughs> so. so. Can you give our disclaimer? Oh, yeah. We right now? Yeah. yeah, let's get it out of the way. <laughs> we've got Kanye West, Steve, <laughs> and Joel Holstein. The previously cited <laughs> celebrities? Pastors? Pastor, rapists? Artists? Um, yeah people loosely associated with Christianity uh, have not been endorsed by Redemption Church or its leadership, despite having been picked in the church plant fantasy draft. Uh, They have not been checked for inappropriate or offensive content and should be engaged with at the consumer's own risk. Absolutely. All that is absolutely true. Please do not go and just start listening to Kanye West's whole album of songs. Unless it's Jesus is King. You can listen to that that one. Yeah, that one's really great. All right, so we're back to Charles. Okay, so I'm gonna go with my utility person before I go with my senior pastor. And this is hard, because I, again, I have 
two main positions in mind here. One would be seniors, a seniors pastor. Oh, yes. That would be... Uh, <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> I love your This is going to be Cy Robertson from uh, Duck Dynasty, Uncle Cy. Oh, He's wow. going to be my seniors pastor. Boom. This You're is welcome. quite a church, dude. Um, and then also my, my sports ministry pastor <laughs> is going to be Bo Jackson. <laughs> there you go. This is not going, JP, at all how you thought this would go. So there's, there's two more positions that I have. Ladies and gentlemen, Charles has broken the game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, seniors. So imagine it, just give us your rundown of your team since you keep picking two people per team. <laughs> sorry. Per option. Sorry. You I have four to, on thinking, your team of three already. Thinking, with one more pick. I'm thinking big here. Okay, my senior pastor, <laughs> lead pastor, no, is no, one no, person. Not yeah, your I'll pick, just, okay. okay go ahead. It's not your turn. Um, <laughs> How do you follow that? I don't know. <laughs> okay, my... Just, uh, so we're all on the same yeah. page. The other people from Duck Dynasty are okay. still available. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, can I do like a... <laughs> I feel like I need to... I was going to do a ridiculous pick, but we need to kind of pull this back yeah, together. So we'll do my worship pick is Justin Bieber, Jay Beebs. Right? Oh my gosh. gosh. That's a good choice. I thought choice. you said you were reining this in. Yeah, no, that this was a good choice. In. You okay. just added Me it. going for good it choice. is how about we do like a pastor of biceps and like chest day? Who yes. would be Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow, there Tim you go. Tim Tebow. Tim I Tebow. like it. Yeah. Boom. That would be my I'm other apprentice sports ministry pastor. No, I'm Here's what I know. I know that Matt Chandler just resigned. <laughs> so, so he's out. No, I'm Matt Chandler is still in the church with yeah, no ridiculousness. He, <laughs> I think John Mark Comer just resigned. <laughs> no, man. I think he's carrying the weight. There we go. All right. So you got the Biebs leading worship. Do you yeah. have any dress code requirements for him? No, man. Bieber knows what to do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, you get a you get one more pick because oh shoot we're doing the forward and backward. Okay. Who do you have left? You've got senior pastor, senior pastor, we and have worship a pastor. You have a utility guy. player left. You have a utility player. I picked Tebow. Yeah, you picked Tebow. Okay. You picked Chess 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 Day and Abs Day. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sports Just keeping the staff wow. in shape. Pastor. I yeah. like it. Totally. If this Hopefully. is if this is how this is going to go. Redemption Church will never play another church again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm really scared to say it, but we're back to Charles. Yes, finally. <laughs> Some sanity again. Are, uh, are you no. on senior pastor? Yeah, senior pastor. So lead pastor. I'm going to go with the old and good Erwin uh, Lutzer. Oh, that's great. Out of Moody Church. Dude, let's go. Boom. Yeah. It's that not, came out not, of nowhere. It's not a boom. That's a big old boom. Do you think right he's going to be able to manage that staff? Oh yeah, with his expertise. I was going to do Warren Wiersbe, but he died in 2019, oh. so he's out. Thanks. Thanks. And I was game. thinking Tony Evans, but oh, that'd be great. Tony I Evans think Erwin Lutzer, his experience in Chicago has really positioned him to know what he's doing. Josh is shaking his head no, but yet, who did you choose, Matt Chandler? Yeah. All right, with the final pick in the fantasy draft. You need a worship leader, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know you already lost the two best ones. Worship leader. <laughs> Two best ones are already up the list. So my picking, like, if I if what I have left, my picking is it Sunseed that sings the song? Oh my gosh, there it is. Jesus is my Jesus friend. Jesus is my friend. So yeah, is yeah. that what I'm picking? Because that's how this game is going. Yeah, apparently. that's, that's yep. how it's going. You know, You're right. I don't know. Well, I, I think that one might actually be endorsed by Redemption Church and its leadership. So <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Wholesome what's the? Fun. You're a singer, JP and Danny. What's the song again with the uh, Jesus, my friend? 
feed it to the people. Maybe give a little snippet when this I goes don't, live. I don't know you know that song. Uh, we, Jesus is my friend. <laughs> I have a friend named Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I guess, based on the ridiculous of this game. That's, yeah, yeah. And we sing one song four times every week. Yeah. It's just yeah. that song. I would have had the Partridge family, but I don't know if they're all living. So again, you have to choose who's living. All right, just to uh, help people out, uh, it's a song that I don't know when it was actually recorded. It definitely looks like it was in the 70s, 70s yeah. but I'm pretty sure it was recorded a lot more recently than that. I am trying to find the lyrics. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Uh, but let's get to the verses. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I think there was a fair amount of that going on at the time of the filming of the video. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's the one who will never leave you flat. Uh, that is verse one. Uh, definitely pause the podcast and go listen to Sunseed. Jesus is my friend. It will brighten your day. Wow. All right. That's a terrible pick. These are great but churches. But this game has just gotten, we have Bicep and Chest Pastor and we got, <laughs> I don't the know, best seniors, team ever. Seniors Pastor and Sports yeah. Pastor. You from, chose Joel Osteen. Let me just remind you of yeah. that. Yeah. I know, but I chose him for a specific reason. I don't need him to talk. I, I would have hired money. him as like <laughs> encouragement pastor with a little, little bit of light heresy pastor. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I would have Like the guy who keeps a sharp theological. He keeps the light, he's keeping the lights on. I know that's a that's a really good point. Like, what fun would it be to be an elder uh, if your staff is just constantly staying within the bounds of traditional Christian doctrine? Exactly. You got to have a guy like Joel Osteen, Dude, so your elders you. are like, "Wait a minute, this, this would be a really good game to pull Stephen on." Should I go get him quick? Uh, just to answer this, answer yeah, this. Yeah, so, so we have a little bit of break here. Woo! So we get to welcome Pastor Stephen J. Bush back to Redemption Church off his sabbatical. Pumped to have him back. And I think it'd be good for our people to hear from him on who he would pick for lead guy, who he would pick for worship guy, Should we and tell who, he'd him? Pick, who he'd pick for utility player. And you can't pick someone that's already been chosen. Whatever you want. The third option, whatever, whatever option role. you want. So, so Danny, why don't you give us the rundown of, yeah. of your yeah. three Yeah, so picks. my lead guy is JMC, John, John Mark Over. My, wait, what is it? My worship guy? Yeah. My worship guy is Biebs, Jay Biebs, Justin Bieber. <laughs> uh, and then we did a utility role of like uh, biceps and chest day, pastor of biceps and chest day, and okay. that's Tim Tebow. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Dude. Okay, so my senior pastor is Erwin Lutzer. Uh, worship guy is either Steve Green or Kanye West. Can't decide. Wow, the spectrum there. Exactly, exactly. Who, who aren't we reaching, amen? And then uh, my utility people, uh, let me see, they were Bo Jackson in sports ministry, which obviously, come on, man, you need, you need Bo. Bo knows Jesus. That's right. <laughs> And then, I can't remember my other guy. It was your seniors pastor. Oh, my seniors who was pastor was Cy Robertson, Uncle Cy from oh, Duck yeah, Dynasty. Oh, yeah, from Duck Dynasty? Yeah, nice. boom. Boom. Nice. So, because that was the ridiculousness of how this started, I chose Matt Chandler. Oh, gosh, and then I got really? A, right, from my lead guy. Yeah. Right? And, and then I was left with a worship guy and a utility player. I chose for my utility player, I chose... Um, you remember... Just, just say it. Joel, you know, Joel Alstein for the money. 
With his book writing, just have him write one more book on five stuff to be better you, and we can use that to support the church awesome. to keep the lights on. Awesome. And then I chose Sunseed for my worship group. Sunseed. The Jesus is my Jesus, friend. Jesus is my friend. I yeah. have a friend in Jesus. Yes. So it got ridiculous quick, so I felt like I had to join the game. But you get to pick who you want. Yeah. Gosh, okay, so lead guy. Yeah. And no one picked Jesus. Oh. Oh. He's got to be alive. There's rules. There's rules. Oh, he is alive. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. We don't need Joel wow. Osteen. Hold on a second. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. We need, we need to pause. You suggested using Osteen and then just denied that Jesus isn't alive. <laughs> We got to pack up the podcast <laughs> and the church yet, like yesterday. It had to be someone that's 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 alive. J- yeah. JP said. <laughs> you mean like in the flesh with us? In the flesh with us okay. is the point. Is what I was saying. But you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, and then wow. and then well, what was the second rule? You get three picks and. Charles Tra- picked four, so we already broke the rules yeah. multiple no, times. Five. He did pick five. five. <laughs> he just combined. He has Steve Green singing Jesus Walks by Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> yes. the, the second rule was it cannot have worked for a redemption church. Okay. Yeah. Lead guy. I have no prep on this. I, I have no idea. That's shoot what from makes the hip, it fun. Dude. Shoot from the hip. Yeah. Your Who's the first mo- name that comes to mind? Um... I don't know, Morgan Freeman? Yeah. Just to, hear, <laughs> to hear that guy deliver a message? He might be a little sleepy, that though, so great. that's why I would pick yes. Bono as the worship leader. There you oh, go. Amen. Um, just to Dude. bring the, the stage presence. Yes. And then my utility guy, I don't know, the Tim Tebow. That's a, that's a nice... <laughs> That's a nice reference. Um, Stephen Bear Furtick. Grills. I feel like oh, Bear yeah. Grills could yeah. really get us out of outdoor some serious ministry, jams and run an outdoor Excellent. outdoor ministry. Survival. So you need to survive as a church. He could be our survivalist. That's <laughs> missions pastor. Morgan Bear Freeman, Bono, and Bear Grills. I got an Irish accent, sure. British accent. Yeah. And, and Morgan Freeman. That's my Morgan Freeman <laughs> I like impersonation. It. That's great. Wow. That was a bad lead pass. That'd be pretty sleepy. I don't know. But I feel like he's... It <laughs> sounds sleepy, but you never actually fall asleep because you're just yes. entranced by yes. that. Maybe Jason Bateman. Because oh. anything that... I guy could read the alphabet and yeah. I would laugh, and I think I'd like to laugh a little bit. On, uh, the, we did the disclaimer. Oh, the dis- Disclaimer. Again, none of the previously cited celebrities or people loosely associated with Christianity uh, have been endorsed by Redemption Church or its leadership. It, they have not been checked for inappropriate or offensive content and should be engaged with at the consumer's own risk. Awesome. I agree with that disclaimer. Do you have a disclaimer for the pastor that denies that Jesus is living? <laughs> no. We have not had to cross that bridge. Okay. Yeah. okay. We, First time for we'll everything. Draft. Coming next we'll week. <laughs> I did not deny that Jesus is alive. I got cut off as I'm... Whatever. Thanks, Steve. Uh, uh, <laughs> if you heard Josh say Jesus doesn't count because he's not alive, alive raise your hand. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My hands up. Sorry. Three of the four hands are raised. By the rules of the game. Your conscience was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> by, the, by the rules of the game, we knew it had to be in the flesh. Wow. Come on. Anyway. Yeah. All right. That's I told Danny, I said, if that's true, then God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So all of the people could have been stated because they're all alive. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, mm, gotcha. Mm, all right. Mm. 
Well, after that little episode, I feel like this is quite the appropriate topic. We are going to dive into theology made practical, and we're going to be talking about sanctification, which is a word you may have heard, but may have a difficult time defining. So if you're listening, I challenge you right now in the next 10 seconds, how would you define sanctification? Uh, As you're thinking, we have a really thick book open here with a definition of sanctification that may actually be kind of helpful. Then we'll unpack it a little bit. So Wayne Grudem, in his book, Systematic Theology, an introduction to Bible doctrine, although given the weight of this book, I think he goes a little bit beyond the introduction, defines sanctification as a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. That may or may not mean stuff to you, but we're going to uh, break it down a little bit more. So the first question out on the table for you, Danny, you, Charles, and you, Josh, is how do you define sanctification? Uh, What do you hear in this definition that's good? What do you hear that maybe is a bit more controversial? Hmm. There's uh, been an ongoing debate over the last decade when we think about sanctification, we think about progression, we think about becoming more like Jesus. And the answer is, how does that actually happen? And there's been a couple of pastors, theologians that have been that have discussed, and you can look this up on, uh, on, on Google as well, but have, have been discussing is sanctification the Holy Spirit's responsibility or is sanctification the spirit and man's responsibility? In other words, we know we're saved by grace, So that's the Spirit's work. But then are we adding our own works into it to become more like Christ? Or is it still truly just the work of the Spirit? And so some of it- To clarify, sorry to cut you off. We're not talking about salvation, which is getting to heaven, because that is purely 100% the work of God. Uh, We're talking about becoming more like Christ. And that's where this, how much does our own effort play into it? Yeah. And I think when you think about sanctification, you think about sinning less, right? I think that's, that's one of the ongoing progressions of, of becoming like Jesus. And so Charles, I'll let you jump in too. I, I kind of created the tension a little bit with it, but um, I'll, I'll let you and Danny jump in too and we can yeah. keep talking. Yeah, yeah I think the, the hard part is throughout the Bible, you do see this tension, which it's, perfectly kept in balance between man's responsibility and God's sovereignty. So for instance, in Romans 8, uh, Paul writes to the Romans and says, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. So in that passage, it seems very clear, it's by the spirit of God that you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh. In other passages it says, may the God of peace sanctify you wholly, like fully, not but make you holy would also be to sanctify, but to sanctify you completely. He's the one who's doing this. Uh, other passages like Philippians 1, the one who began a good work okay. in you is going to be the one to complete it, bring it to completion. We saw in Hebrews, the author and perfecter of your faith. That's this idea of progress of moving towards that which it was meant to move towards. That is a work of God. But there's other aspects of walk by the Spirit, do not grieve or quench the spirit. So there is man's responsibility to, in a sense, allow the very natural thing that the spirit of God is going to do in you 
to actually take place. Galatians would do that too, right? I live yeah. by the spirit, I walk by the flesh. You have the compare and contrast there. Yeah, so it is, it's hard to nail down, I would say definitively, but I think it is that, that tension of man's efforts through God's grace mm-hmm. that is true in the life of a believer. But the hard part too is that the Bible also indicates that by your fruit, you will know these people, that good fruit comes from a good tree. And so there is an aspect of saying that there's things that are expected of you if you claim to follow Christ and know him and are saved, that you would grow, that you would progress, that you would show fruit, bear fruit. And so prove, as Jesus says, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So those are, those are hard tensions. I think one of the texts that's always encouraged me and one of the ideas of this whole thing, when we think about justification, sanctification, glorification, we're talking about the different stages ultimately of our salvation. And one of those texts that's always encouraged me is 1 Corinthians 15, when it says, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received salvation in which you stand sanctification, by which you are being saved would also be sanctification. And if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, right? So there's this idea that, that God's grace is we never abandon it at any point of our salvation. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important dynamic, even in our sanctification, the motivation for even all obedience, it's God's grace and kindness towards rebellious sinners. And, and I, I think we need to keep that yeah. on, on the forefront. <laughs> all that to be said, there's great people that love Jesus and have a, a great understanding theologically of the gospel, um, great pastors in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them that we would align with that actually differ on the tension that Charles and Charles even has been speaking to as well. And if it's just the spirit doing it or am I joining in my works with the spirit? So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel like we'll perfectly land the plane except inform our church that that tension exists. And it's something important for you to process and pray about and study as well on your own. And Charles gave texts that speak to both sides of the of the tension. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, this this conversation has been going on since the beginning. Yeah, right. I think uh, Augustine is even quoted as saying, I'm going to totally butcher it, but it's something like, uh, pray as though it all depends on God and act as though it all depends on you. Because um, I think he's lost in the mystery, not knowing how much of it actually does fall on me, how much of it actually does fall on God. Uh, But the one thing, yeah, like you were saying, Josh, that we can be confident of is that God's mercy, God's grace, and God's presence is with us through it all. Uh, And even when we don't get things right, that God's grace and God's mercy covers it. And I think there's a level, when I I think back to grad school for me, one of the things that I think about God's grace that plays out in all three roles, so not just talking sanctification, but justification, sanctification, glorification, right? When we think about salvation, justification, we were not able to not sin. That's a double negative, but we are not able to not sin. Sanctification, able not to sin, and glorification, not able to sin. So there's a progression Mm -hmm. of God's work that was brought up in Philippians 1 that he's going to complete the work. It's meaning we could never do it without him. Yeah. So maybe this is a good segue into a second question, which is through the process of sanctification, what, what are we... Uh, realistically aiming at as Christians in this life? Because I know there are some branches of Christianity uh, that would believe in uh, not sinless perfection as we would define it. Um, I forget what the, what the actual term for it is, but I think Methodists believe you can get to a point where you no longer voluntarily sin, um, if I'm remembering my church theology and all that correctly. Um, 
Whereas a lot of other people will say we'll never get there until we get to heaven and attain glorification like you were talking about. Uh, if we were to be asked by somebody in our church, what are we hoping to, what's a reasonable goal for Christians? Uh, is it to attain sinless perfection in this life? Is it to simply reduce the amount of times we sin per day? Uh, what would you guys say? I think sanctification is three steps forward, two steps back. That would Sounds speak, like a Chuck Swindoll book. That would speak to progression mm. though, right? That I'm now further down the road than, than I was. And I think that's the heartbeat. And I think even you think about John 15, and we think about trees that bear fruit, the point is, are you bearing fruit? The abundance of the fruit is not the question. The mm. question is, are you bearing fruit? And every tree is going to bear different, well, not necessarily different kinds of fruit, but different kinds of fruit, but but also more or less fruit. Yeah. But the question is, is that tree actually giving me something that I can eat? Yeah. Mm. And so I think on the sanctification side of it, you may look at somebody like, they're producing crazy fruit. I'm not producing anything. The point is, are you producing fruit? Because mm -hmm. that's a sign of the spirit in your life. That sanctification is a legit thing. And the spirit's doing a work in you and you're responding in obedience to God's will <laughs> and God's word in your life. And so when I think about the tree example, I think that's a good analogy for us to think about too, is that oftentimes we feel like we aren't doing well because we're not growing at the pace we want. Um, or also there's times in our life where God allows us to have a struggle, a sin struggle, whatever, to, to break us and keep us dependent upon him. So like if that struggle was removed, would you be running um, on your face to Jesus less or more? You know what I mean? And so, but I think the tree analogy has always been a helpful one for me to process when I think about all good trees bear fruit, right? And the question is, is the fruit that you're producing aligned with the good news of Jesus or not? And if there is no fruit, the question is, are you saved? If there is fruit, Good job. Okay. So rather than looking at how far down the road you can get, you're just saying one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Danny, if a, a student came up to you and asked uh, a version of that same question, like, hey, I'm a Christian now. Mm. What should I, in this year in high school, like what should I reasonably be expecting in terms of growth in Christ, in terms of what should my life look like? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's an angle to this conversation that um, inevitably goes back to the question of, am I saved or not? And I think that totally is part of the discussion. But, you know, I, as I've kind of been studying more, I think, like, you see really clear examples of... Um, really like the gospel, the salvation part of this being um, secure, like you said earlier, that it is by grace, it is by faith that we are saved. We're brought into that relationship. That's how you have access to God is the free gift of Jesus. That's how you uh, receive salvation. Um, and so that we're not necessarily talking about that, we're now talking about how do you um, live that out in a way that benefits you and benefits the people around you. Um, kind of like what I talked about this this Sunday, if you guys were there at church, um, used, kept using the analogy of the good life, um, is the really the, the terminology of um, looking at God's word as um, the really the correct way to live a life that brings flourishing to you and your family and the life and the world around you. 
And so to some degree, sanctification is not going, man, am I saved? Am I doing enough to be saved? Because then you're, you're, you're stuck in, in works really based theology. It's, it's more like what first Peter would say or like Ephesians would say. You have these really solid passages of this is God's work. Salvation is God's thing. You believing is God's thing, but then it doesn't stop there. Like Ephesians um, turns in about chapter four uh, in, in about the halfway through in, in first Peter, where it's now, um, you know, in, in almost like a pastoral light. Now, this is what this would look like in every part of your life, not so that you can kind of fearfully be like, am I good with God? But now how does this naturally flow into a life that would be abundant and blessed by the spirit and lead to like the fruit of the spirit, our joy, peace, self-control, all of things that humans just on a baseline desire and need to some extent. Um, and, and so sanctification is to me enjoying the gift of salvation to the fullest until we see Christ. Yeah, I love that because you're you're rejecting and actively pushing against the idea of transactional faith. Totally, where I have to do certain things to earn salvation or hit a certain level to be saved, mm-hmm. uh, and you're really pushing into the relational aspect yeah. and saying, "Hey, this is about a convert." You, you use whatever analogy you want—a conversation, a dance mm-hmm. uh, with our savior, not just to receive salvation, but to honor and glorify him in all we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just ongoing. You know, he Absolutely. saves us and we respond and he continues to work in our lives and That's we amazing. continue to respond back to that. Yeah. Um, because again, I think this is one of the things that somehow continues to leak into the church is even though we'll say salvation by faith alone in Christ alone, there's still this propensity to think that, oh man, if I do this certain thing or if I backslide this certain way, then I'm gonna lose my salvation. And we would say that's absolutely not true. Salvation is from first to last a work of God. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah. where this, this question of sanctification then comes in. How I much totally of it after that? Your yeah. huh? <laughs> I totally didn't answer well, your I question. Think, I think one of the tensions that Danny brought out though is helpful in our context and our part of the city. And one of the reasons that moralism and legalism are so rampant here is because we believe that God's grace saves us, quote unquote, but the rest of it's up to us. And we realize we don't, we actually don't have the power and we don't do very, a very good job. We don't obey very well. And therefore people leave, they leave the church, they can't handle it. And that's why redemption has a huge heartbeat to always bring us back to Jesus and his grace towards us. And his grace empowers every part of the salvation process, including our sanctification. Yeah. No, that's great. Just, uh, you know, that whole transparency of recognizing I'll, I'll never get there on my own and it's okay. It's not just okay, it's necessary to admit that and then to lean into God's grace and the community for that. Uh, Charles, any thoughts on uh, perfection and what we should reasonably be hoping for as we live our Christian lives? I think perfection doesn't seem to be, I know that was a Wesleyan thought, uh, but I don't think that the Bible indicates that perfectionism is the truth. I think one of the things that it talks about is the ongoing war with the flesh. I think it talks about that in terms of our ongoing weaknesses that are evidenced by God's gracious strength in the midst of our weaknesses. I think of the Bible talking about uh, outwardly us wasting away, inwardly being renewed day by day. It's renewed and it seems the fullness of it 
is the expectancy ultimately of our unification with Christ, um, ultimately at his return when glorification is actually realized. So even at death, there's still a waiting period because the ultimate nature of it is resurrection glorification with Christ in the new heavens and new earth. That's actually the fullness of the salvific experience. That's when he wipes away every tear. That's when there's no more mourning, no more pain, no more anything like that. Um, but it is hard because you see people who are old. I just spent this past Friday talking with my uh, wife's grandma who lost her husband about a year and a half ago. And she's still lamenting the fact of losing him. I mean, they were married for 74, 73, 74 years. I mean, she married him when she was 15. So most of her life dominated by a relationship with this man. Now he's gone. She's in her early nineties living alone and just realizing like there are things that the Lord is still pressing in on her that she's lacking. And she sees regularly like her inability and her, her sin. And I'm looking at it going, there's not a person that I've met who's a godly believer in Christ, even in their late, almost to eternity, who is not having a feeling of absolute necessity of their dependence on God for all things. Like they're not thinking, yeah, I've arrived. I've never met a, an old saint who's moved in that direction. And I think that that alone is testimony to the necessity of humility, which is one of the greatest things. And I would say that the expectation that we should have towards sanctification is not a standard of saying, this is where you should be at age 30 or 40 or so on and so forth. It is simply the idea of, do you value Christ? Do you see Christ? Do you glory, as Danny said, in the things that he's accomplished for you in the gospel? Are you learning to hate sin and love the savior? Because if those things are stirring in you, that's actually evidence that there is a change in your heart. So a person who can blatantly sin before the Lord and have no remorse over it and not think that they have done anything wrong, that's a person who one, needs to be rebuked uh, and hopefully comes to repentance. But that also might be an evidence of a person who might not have the spirit of God drawing them to the light and seeing that their deeds are evil and repenting and turning to Christ. I think that is an aspect of it. And I think first John three says, uh, it's oh, as gosh. if our hearts condemn us, right? He says, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So there, there's gonna be an aspect when you and I realize we haven't matched the standard of God. That doesn't necessarily mean we're unsaved. It actually means like, Josh said, if we're doing two steps forward, three back, or one step forward, two back, that it seems like we're actually going in the wrong direction, which with humanity typically is the right direction to be humbled, to weep and mourn and wail over the things that we're doing. That's the best place to be as a human because to not need Christ is to be a very scary place as those who would profess Christ. So maybe I can ask, uh, unless you had something you wanted to say, um, uh, kind of a, a, a weird follow-up question about if we know we're never going to make it to perfection uh, and if even the most godly of people uh, in their 90s plus are recognizing that there's still a long uphill battle to go, 
Uh, can I just simply ask, like, what's the urgency? Or, or what should be our urgency? Should we be living each day thinking, oh my gosh, I, I really need to work this out? Because there are Bible verses that say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I think most people would understand salvation, not as in the, did I, you know, am I going to get to heaven question, but more in the working out of your salvation, which we would call sanctification for this discussion. Work it out with fear and trembling versus the just kind of, I know I'm never going to get there. So it's okay. It's going to take time. It's going to be work, but I'm not going to spend every day, you know, worrying about minute sins that I'm just not at the level of being able to deal with. So all that to maybe simply ask, what should be our level of urgency when it comes to sanctification on a day-to-day basis? I think it's the scriptures speak to it as being urgent is becoming more like Jesus, I think is, I think it's urgent. I think grace demands a response in our life, you know, and I think it motivates the response. And so I think it's, I think it's incredibly, incredibly important in our heart and our life to, to want to pursue Jesus. And, and, and ultimately I think another sign of sanctification and growth in our lives would be, how do you respond when you sin? Like, do you care? I think there's a tension there as, as a believer um, to know, hey, that what I just did, that actually breaks the heart of the father. In light of all that, he still loves me deeply. So is that gonna motivate me to respond appropriately back to him, you know, and get back on the victory track of living life, you know? And, and I, think, I think this is, and just to be honest, I, the sanctification path is exhausting. Like as a Christian, like I look at my life at 40 years old, I still have certain struggles, certain things that I, that I just can't stand about myself sometimes, you know, about my flesh, you know? And it actually at times can make me, can actually make me angry. You know, that why is this still around or why is this struggle still present or, or why am I not more patient than I thought it would be at 40? Whatever that thing would be. And so it's actually tiring sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, and I think everyone feels that. And in light of how tired you may feel spiritually, I'll go back to what we say often. In light of that, you are fully known by God and fully loved by him. And that your obedience to him is never changes his perspective or his heart towards you, but it pulls you closer to him. That's good. Yeah, I would add to that. my, My thought in you using the passage, like work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The next verse says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So if you think again of the sovereignty of God over this, God in his grace is actually freeing people from the bondage of sin. Like I don't think we understand. So the urgency is because sin is a slave master. It is bondage. It leads to destruction and death. It's ruin is great. And many people walk the path towards destruction. The fact that God would, first of all, come down as us and humble himself to take on the very life that we live and the very sin that we've, we've done and then pay for it, then raise again and promise to come back and finish the very salvation that he started in us is phenomenally rich. That is the life of freedom that God promises us that I don't think we understand what freedom is. Christ has set you free. When, when Paul writes and is guffawed at the Galatians, let's just put it that way. And he says, 
you, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. He goes, why are you seeking to be in bondage again? In other words, trying to earn favor from God when Christ himself has graciously given you everything by grace through faith. And he says, you've missed the point. Like it is, it is the wonder of the gospel that actually fuels the desire and the urgency to want more of Christ. You will never get enough of the glory of God. I think as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, he says, we with unveiled faces are transferred from one degree of glory to another as we behold Christ. We're transferred. We're, we're becoming one degree of glory to the, in other words, growing more and more in awe and wonder and glorious in seeing Christ himself, because that's the only way that transformation happens. It's through seeing Christ. And so when Paul's praying for the people, constantly he's saying, enlighten their eyes, open their eyes, help them to see this, help them to have strength to grasp the love of God, as Josh said. He knows you fully. You know yourself more than other people do. You know all of the things that you'd be terrified of people knowing. Yet that is the very truth that God loves about you and he's made you his own. That's hard for us to grasp. If we just simply grasped the, the simplicity of saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, we would be fit for life. Our urgency would be turned not to task, but freedom. That's where it is. It's freedom to live in Christ. That's what God's purpose so is for us. It sounds like the reason I don't feel the urgency I probably should have when it comes to sanctification is because I don't realize the ruin that sin is wrecking in my life personally, in my relationships, and in the work I'm trying to accomplish for the Lord. And if I actually saw what sin, the sin that's still present in my life was doing, then there would be this incredible urgency to not just kind of coast through life going, yeah, I'll see if I can work on that sin issue. I'll see if I can not lose my patience when somebody cuts me off. Uh, there would just be an absolute like urgency to say, no, it stops now because Christ has set me free from that and I want to be as free from that and everything else as possible so that I reflect him more. Uh, more beautifully and see him more beautifully in my life and so that my relationships don't suffer and so that God gets the glory he deserves in this world. Mm. Is it really just an issue of I don't actually see sin for what it actually is in my life? I think as you say that though, think of it this, this like a parent, like my fear is that my kids keep walking in sin. So, so think of it like this. If I just show them how ruinous their sin is, that's not necessarily gonna change them, Right. That's going to make them feel like, oh my goodness, I need to change, which again could lead to moralism. What they need to know is, I see your sin. I, as your father, I love you. We're walking in this together. Yes, the goal is not to stay there, but it's not simply the pointing out of sin to see the ruin of sin. It's to see the glorious love of the savior who saved you. It's, it's turning not just sin, but to Jesus, because it's fixing your eyes on Jesus, not fixing your eyes on the weight of your sin and the destruction of your sin. That is what keeps you going forward. Yeah, so I would just caveat it by saying, yes, it's your sin, but your sin drives you somewhere. Your sin drives you to a savior. Josh, go ahead. I think it's one of the key points of sanctification too, is I think we look at our we, we look at where we fall short, we look at our sin struggles, we look at our failures, and we can't get our mind off our failures. Yeah. Well, the point is to get your mind off your fears and get them on Christ. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and, and I think that's what happens. And uh, the perfect story for that for me is Israel at the Red Sea in Exodus 14. They've been freed through all the plagues. They're going toward the Red Sea. They realize they're in front of the sea, they're trapped. And here comes Pharaoh, the world's greatest army. And they look back at the slave master of 400 years and they're like, we're doomed. And God's like, no, 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 no. You just stay here, be silent, I'll fight for you. Like get your eyes off that get your eyes on me and watch me go to work in your life. And, and I think that's one of the struggles for us is we only see the garbage in our life sometimes. Yeah. God sees it greater than we even see it. Um, but I think there's, we have to be intentional to get our focus off our sin and yeah. onto the one that's actually more beautiful. And the thing that captures our heart, the thing that we declare is the most beautiful is the thing that's gonna compel us forward and captivate us. Yeah. yeah. Dan? Yeah, can I just say one more thing? Um, because you guys have been saying it so beautifully in like the negative light. Um, like you said, Charles, like y- you are a slave to sin. You probably don't realize that, like you said, JP, um, to some degree. And I'll just say like, because I, I think it's so missed in these conversations and honestly in, in church in general these days, that you really want to be like Jesus. You might not be able to articulate that even if you're away from the Lord, but you want to be like Jesus. And what I mean is not like some arbitrary kind of like spiritual religious guy. What you want to be is in perfect union in peace and harmony with God himself. That's a deep human desire that you might not even know that you have. And then at peace with the world that you live in. Right, That's what Jesus embodies is how to do life completely obedient to the Lord, not just so that he can get the pass and that he can get us into heaven, but because that is the good life. That's the best way to do life. And, and so often in these conversations, it's like, oh, do you want to like be a super Christian? No, I would actually say, do you want to be a happy person? You have that ability through the spirit to like John 15 says, be with God, become mm-hmm. like him by being with him. And then he'll naturally make you into the amazing, peaceful, joyful person that Jesus actually was. Yeah. You can have that. Yeah, insert all the fruits of the spirit. Totally. Fruits of the spirit, singular. That's good. Um, we're running a little long on the podcast, but I've really <laughs> enjoyed this. Can I ask one more question? If, if people are, at this point are starting to say, man, I really wanna, I wanna pursue this. Mm-hmm. I wanna go all in on sanctification today, mm-hmm. this week. What are maybe some practical tips? Uh, Charles, uh, I heard you mention something about, uh, from Corinthians, about beholding him, right? Yeah. Was that it? Yeah. yeah. First John says, Second Corinthians 3. Yeah. yeah, First John says, when we see him, we will be like him. Mm-hmm. So like, what does that mean? Because that seems to be, uh, you know, in air quotes here, uh, the shortcut is seeing, beholding, perceiving Jesus. Yeah. What does that look like and how can I do more of that? Yeah, I think, and this is borrowed from John Piper because I think some of his writing, he writes to people who are struggling with these very things. One of the things he mentions, and I'm trying to think of basically the article, and you can look it up, it's probably like low-hanging fruit of the gospel. So he talks about reminding yourself of the gospel is going to passages of scripture that might be, quote, air quote, overused, but are Mm -hmm. gospel rich. So for instance, the simplicity of like a John 3.16 is beautiful. The heart of believers though often grows, uh, I'd say, common to, to wonder. 
And, and that's all, our, our, it becomes overused to yep. things that are wonderful. So we shouldn't lose the wonder of these things. But like in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but, but you know, God made you alive. All of those wonderful things. If you understand what Jesus has done for you, what God has done for you through his son Jesus, the love that God has for you, regularly saturating your mind. I think John Piper, one of the things he prays on a regular basis is from the Psalms. It says like, satisfy me in the morning with your unfailing love. So every morning, just say, God, I wanna see more of the way in which you care for me because I am I am prone to miss. I'm prone to forget. I'm prone to just assume that things are based on me today. And I think those are the things just prayerfully asking God to do what he's promised to do. He's promised to do these things and to remind yourself of what he has done for you in mm-hmm. his son, Jesus. Yeah. Okay, so I heard prayer and scripture in there. Yes. Not well, to oversimplify it. But, but read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. grow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very, I don't need to oversimplify If somebody could come up with a song for that, just yeah. to help me remember. Yeah, I don't know why I repeated grow three times. That's really strange. <laughs> I think First John, I think about First John, uh, two where it talks about walk as Jesus walked. Man, that's a sanctification kind of sta- kind of yeah. statement in every way. But earlier in First John one, we see a lot about transparency and honesty. And so I would say, hey, if you want to pursue sanctification in your life and a better understanding of who you are, who are you transparent with and honest with mm. about what you see to be true in yourself? Yeah. And surround yourself with people that will actually speak the gospel to you. Mm. That it's safe to be known. That's good. Awesome. Thank you. Danny? Yeah, I would say, honestly, right in line with what you guys are saying, like, um, you know, I think the the gospel has to come into your life in a way that it's actually um, fixing and changing and healing you. Um, so that might be like your marriage is just like a mess and it's because you are super angry and unforgiving. Well, um, learn, like I said on Sunday, what God's word says about um, how to be a forgiving person because it is there, right? Mm -hmm. God's word is silent on some things, but man, there's a lot to do with practical, like a flesh on type scenarios that you and I deal with every, every day that are really clear. And so know what God's word says about that, but don't, I would just encourage you, like, don't stop there. Please don't stop there. Because again, the, the idea is that you would be through the power of the spirit, not through, through the power of Danny or JP or whatever, putting the death to the, the deeds of the body. Because um, you're, you're not gonna be able to do that. It wasn't ever the purpose. So, you know, for an example, I'm a super anxious person naturally. Man, I cling to Philippians 4 and I said it on Sunday. I'm not going to be anxious in this moment. Why? Because I can access or access the God of the universe himself mm-hmm. and he hears me and he cares about me deeply and he loves me. Mm-hmm. And as that is pushed into my soul, that's abiding work, right? And I'm becoming now a person of love that can produce yeah. something that's not anxiety. I wasn't able to produce anything but anxiety before, but now by the spirit of God, I can produce good fruit. That's good. Yeah. The one thing I would add uh, to all of this in terms of practical advice is just simply, you know, uh, I've started playing disc golf, uh, maybe two years in. Still not that great, but it, I had all these terrible habits at first. I did not hold the frisbee correctly. Uh, I did not move my body correctly, and as a result, I couldn't throw very far. But through a fair amount of training, and much of it has been really kind of not boring training, but agonizingly slow training to teach my body how to move. Repetitive. Training. Yeah, yeah, repetitive. Uh, I've gotten to the place where I can throw 
I'd say at least twice as far as I could in the beginning. So um, 30 feet. 30 <laughs> feet, exactly. Is that um, a lot? Yeah. <laughs> but I think in a very similar way, we think that somehow spiritual life is supposed to come naturally to us. And hey, once I come to Christ, like it should just flow, right? Uh, where we've got all these habits and ways of thinking, patterns of thinking that are conformed to the world and not to Christ that need to be reshaped and done away with, replaced. Yeah. And so... I guess the one thing I'd throw out there as well is just starting every day by rehearsing the gospel mm -hmm. and making sure you're not just, you know, doing a gospel presentation and then moving on with it, but getting to the point where you're feeling the truth and you're resonating with the truth so that when you say God created everything and it was good, but then humanity lost it all. And I've continued that part of the process mm -hmm. that you actually feel That's the good. weight of your sin yeah. And you're not just starting the day going, oh, yep, I'm a sinner, but God's good. He saved me. Great. Let's move on. But you're actually beginning to dwell in that, that truth and that reality of, oh, man, I was alienated from God. I was destined for an eternity in hell. And there was just not a thing I could do about it. Mm -hmm. But God, the one who I offended so deeply in his great love for me, he changed everything everything. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the point, you know, maybe some days it takes like 30 seconds when you're there and maybe other days you got to sit there for like 20 minutes. But I feel like that's what needs to be done for you to get back into this place of, I know who God is and I know what he's done for me and I'm ready to give my entire day, every moment of my day mm -hmm. to pursuing his glory in anything and everything possible. So uh, lots of good suggestions. Man, this was a good talk. I hope we get to do this. <laughs> Can again I give soon. one disclaimer before we go away? Yeah, from the podcast. Uh, the lead pastor of Redemption Church, Josh Toby, fully believes that Jesus is alive. Just so we're on the same page. Well done. Just so we're on the same page for last. <laughs> Hang on, I'll text the elders and tell them we don't need that meeting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that, thank you for joining us here on The Post. If you haven't already, we'd encourage you to click follow, subscribe, or like on your podcasting app to make sure you get notified when we release an episode. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear those. Just connect with us via email, info at redemptionmi.org, or you can send us a message on social media at RedemptionMI on Facebook or RedemptionMI, Redemption Church MI on Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.